And uh, good morning, good third day of the Omer. Today's staff is Daf Mem Vav. Um, we pick up in the middle of Mem Ham with Bet, and we spent a lot of time yesterday dealing with a uh, girl who is a Katana, who gets married and on her own, and then the father comes into the picture somehow, and uh, there's a, um, and then the question is, is, is there some concern of Kiddushin or not? Did the father want it or not want it? There's a question of, at the end about what the Moskan of the Gemara is, although most Rishad and Paskin that we don't have any concerns there. No need for get, no need for Miyun, um, and so on. Now, the Gemara deals with a case where the father was aware from it from the very outset. So let's take a look. Middle of Nimham Debet. She got married this Katana to, with her father's knowledge. Maybe he even married her off, or maybe she married herself, but it was clear the father was okay with it. However that works, you know, Shlichus, it doesn't exactly work for Katana, but however that works anyway, the marriage was clear that that was binding, and the father was on board. And then the father goes away to a uh, distant country. The And then they went straight to the Chuppah. Okay, so how about when the chuppah is shalom l'das aviha? Do we assume that since the Kiddushin was l'das aviha, he'd be happy for the chuppah whenever it took place? Or do we assume that he's not okay with the chuppah? And it also raises an interesting question, right? Which is like, to what degree is chuppah type of a kinyan that requires das? Right, if somebody had, uh, you know, is it a normal way of thinking about chuppah is, is that um, the Kiddushin sort of creates the marriage sort of, the re- you know, in, in law, and then, it, and then it, it becomes a matter of fact once they start living together. And then it doesn't require as much of the normal type of, you know, das that goes into uh, creating a new kinyan. Nevertheless, nisuin, let's not forget, so on one hand you say maybe the das of the father is not so critical. Once they just start living together, they've just translated it from a matter of law to a matter of fact. On the other hand, let's not forget that nisuin is when she leaves the father's control. While she's still Aresin and Ekhtana or Nara, she's under the father's control. So basically, it is, you know, even if in a normal case of an adult and Isuin, the level of Das required might not be the same as a normal Kinyan. Here, one imagines that she cannot actually transition out of the father's control into the husband's control without the father's okay. So here there was a Chuppah. He wasn't asked, but he was okay with the Kiddushin. Do we assume that that creates a status of her being in a sewer no, or not. No, well, we'll see. They're nafkaminas. Let's take a look at some nafkaminas. One Yemina can eat Truma if he's a Kohen. Another nafkamina is, is that if she dies, that her husband inherit her. There's a lot of nafkaminas about her being in a sewer. All the financial nafkaminas kick in when there's kids in a sewer. Yes? Uh, I just want to, maybe it's obvious, a really clear image. When it says Amzavanise, we do not mean you're standing under a canopy and saying Sheva Brachon. We might. I mean. But this language means like, you said, right? She gets up and she goes, she's carried into her husband's house. Well, I don't carry, but no, I mean, I, I mean, the Gemara talks about, you know, there's chuppah and there's what the Gemara calls nisuin mamish. Right, Nisu and Mamish probably refers to the fact that yes, they've begun living together. Mm-hmm. But you know, but yes, but there's also the chuppah, which is sort of like the ritual that creates Nisuin. I mean, the Gemara in one place distinguishes it from Nisu and Mamish, um, so it could be that as well. It could be there was a chuppah. Yeah, but I mean, chuppah is sort of the ritual that effects the Nisuin. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly clear, but one of those, right? I mean, yes, Nisu probably most simply means they start to start living together. Yeah. Okay. Um, so now we let's continue. So it says. Um, What's the story? 
Amarav, Ocheles Petruma, She's presumed to be a Nisua, and she can eat Truma if her, if her husband's a Kohen, which you can't do until you're a Nisua, until the father comes and the father protests. Uh-huh. Meaning nothing. We know that will happen. If the father protests, then retroactively she won't have been a Nisua. Okay? It's not clear. Um, I mean, it's a good question. Like, once she becomes an adult, presumably, then even if the father isn't good with it, she's now making that decision now. But presumably, as still as she's a Katana and a Nara, the father can protest. So okay? What? That doesn't matter, and it's not out of life. Whatever, that's, there's no halakhic status to that. What? Yeah, that's what Michael said. There's no problem. They're not, they're not, she's not another man's wife. It's, she's not not married to him. There is kiddushin, okay? So that's not the issue. The basic issue, the difference between being a nisua and not a nisua, are all the reciprocal financial obligations that husband has to wife. And truma is one area of like more of a ritual nafkanina. But other things like the nature of the kids, the nature of the sex, that's like less you know relevant. I mean, it is true. You know, there's a whole gemara about arusa bol arusa sebeveschamiv, etc. But that's less directly relevant. Okay, so the Gemara says, um, I mean, yes, the, after Kiddush and before Nisuin, they're not supposed to be having sex, and some Rishonim understand that it's actually, yeah, like, you know, that like, there's an actual, like, Isidur Abonan for them to be having sex between Kiddush and Nisuin, but, uh, but, you know, that's not as much of a, like, uh, whether they tr- are transgressing that Isidur or not is not the bigger I- question here. The bigger question is, like, the practical Nafkaminas, can she eat Truma, you know, what's the story with the Yerusha and so on. Okay? <laughs> right. So, um, okay. So he says that she's presumed to be Nisua. If it comes to the father protests, probably while she's still a Kitana or a Nara, then retroactively she wasn't a Nisua. Was she doing an Avera or not? We'll see about that. Um, but uh, the presumption is the father is okay with it. Okay. Um, um, okay. Rav Asiyamar, Eino Cheles. No, she can't eat. Shemi Yavavi Because we're assumed that he might protest. And therefore, we can't presume that he's okay with it. So do we start with the presumption that he'll probably be okay with it? And if he does protest retroactively, she'll be a non-Kohen's wife, um, you know, not the, and, um, eating truma, or not a Nisua to a Kohen, eating truma. Okay, Havi Uvda, there was a story, the Chashlo Rav Lahad Ravasi, and Rav was concerned with the position of Ravasi, and said that we shouldn't have her eat truma yet. Okay, now the way Chashlo, someone showed him, say he didn't really paskin like Ravasi, he was just being machmir like Ravasi. Okay, now the Gemara says like this, she mate now, the Gemara says like this, I'm going to have Shmuel, um, bar, bar Rav Yitzchak, Umode Rav, I'm sorry, because Rav himself, not just Tamish Adam, excuse me, Rav himself was the one who said that Min Hadin, she's allowed to eat Truma. Nevertheless, in a practical case, he was being machmir like the position of Ravasi. So, as a matter of law, he said she could eat Truma. Practically, he was being machmir like Can Ravasi. Truma anyway? Well, only Midoraisa, not Midorabanan, which is what we're going to get to. Amar Bar Rav, Rav concedes, she may say in a Yersha, that if she were to die, he would not inherit her. Even though Rav considers her enough his wife that she can eat truma, or the nisua that she can eat truma, it's not considered definite enough that there's nisuin for the aspects of Yerusha. The husband only inherits the wife after nisuin. Why? Ugi mamona becheskas mara. Okay, because you established the money in the possession of the original owner. You don't know whether there is Nisuin for sure or not, and therefore you don't take the property out of her control and give it to him if she dies, because it's not black and white. It might be that she's not Nisuin. Now, obviously the question is that if Rob is willing to concede enough 
there's a suffix whether she's married or not so that he won't transfer the property if she dies how does he let her I mean or that she's Nisua how does he let her eat truma uh, and here basically Rashi and others point out you know Tosos etc that uh, at least according to the Bavli Midoraisa from the time of Kiddushin the wife of a coin can eat truma she doesn't have to be a Nisua the requirement of Nisua is only a Durabanan requirement so at the end of the day Rav and Ravasi both agree that her status as Nisua is a suffake Okay, but Rav, but when it comes to the Durabanan issue of only an Asua Knit Truma, Rav is willing to be lenient. Okay, so that's the way at least Rashi tells us. Yes. I'm trying to understand Ravasi, because I mean, the whole reason I said Durabanan is not because Anarusa can't eat it, but maybe we're worried that she's going to like bring it back and this right. Way, right? But uh, but then to say because of that. But, you know, and maybe the father would have been good with this. I mean, I was still right. more, more like... Yeah, so Tosos asked that question. Tosos basically says that according to Ravasi, even if there's a suffix or she's Nisua, the practical reasons we made the Gzera don't really apply here because she's living with the guy. All right, so Tosos says, it's more or less a low plug. Okay, so that's correct. Um, so now the question says like this. Um, okay. Uh, where are we? Um, now. Niskatcha Lidas, Venises Shalol Lidas. Okay, now let's say, it's not that the father's in Medina Sayyam. The father married her off, or he was okay with it, and then there was the chuppah, and the father is here, okay, but there was, she eloped, she sneaked behind his back and she eloped, but the father's around. The Avia Khan, and the father is like right here, okay? So what's the story? Ravuna Amar No, then she obviously can't eat. She can eat. Now, how does this make sense? And how does this tie into the previous debate? Let's take a look. Ravuna Amar, she can't eat Ruma. Even when Rav says she can eat when the father is in a faraway country, there the father isn't around. So we can presume that he'll be okay with it when he finds out. Here there's a father. Now, finally, we get to find out what was the father's reaction. So the action is, is that there was no reaction. She did it, she eloped behind his back, and when the father found out, presumed, apparently he said nothing. So we have to explain his silence, because if he said, I'm okay with it, so he's okay with it. If he says, I'm not okay with it, he's not okay with it. So the only question that's at stake here is, is that he's silent. Okay? So when he's not around, we can presume he'll be okay with it. But if he's around and he's silent, hide the ishtik, the fact that he was silent, he's just so angry to say, right, to, to, to say anything. You don't interpret his silence as being okay. Even Ravasi says she can't eat when the father is in a distant country because we're afraid he'll protest. That's because we're afraid that he'll protest when he finds out. Here that he's silent, he's okay with it. Now, of course, like it's very bizarre because if you start with a presumption he'll be okay, presumably that should inform how you interpret his silence. And if you start with a presumption that he probably won't be okay, that will inform it. The only position that really makes sense here to switch from the case of being far away and being present and silent, I think, is the position of, who was it? Uh, the last one. Revier Mir Bar Abba. Because there you could say, look, I'm all, I like, you know, absence of a reaction, I'm afraid you'll protest. <laughs> Hearing something and not responding, like normally we have an idea, Shkika Kyoza. Right? If you heard something and you didn't respond, it means at least you've made your peace with it. You might not be thrilled about it, but we would normally presume that if you were opposed to it, you would say something. So that can make sense, that normally we're concerned you'll be opposed, but if he's silent and doesn't react, that changes it. But, but to say the opposite direction, I don't understand. We presume he'll be okay, but if he heard about it and didn't say anything, we assume he's so angry he can't say anything. Right? That seems very strange, all right? Anyway, the commercial is like this. Yes. 
because you know, presumably the people who are familiar with the with the family, with the brother, right. with the father, right, 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 right. Maybe it's about it's about what you know. What what will people say? What will uh-huh. think how will it be interpreted? Know? Right, because he raised a good question. Like, how can we make a general rule about what the silence means rather than looking at each case and trying to interpret? Right. Okay, that's a good point. All right, so now the Gemara says, let's take a look. Now, So now we're going to get even a more extreme case. She, the whole thing was eloped. She got married without telling her father. She's the Kiddushin. She did the Nisun without telling her father. The father is here, and presumably, again, presumably, once he finds out, he's silenced. She can eat. She can't eat. Now, of course, the bizarre position is she can eat. You have two things going against her. So Amr Ula had Rav Huna that that Rav Huna said that she can eat kichometz lishinaimu kashan leinaim is like you know is like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes it's like an intolerable position because why so um, so Hashda Umaha said the kiddushay deal raisa marta loachla when she was definitely married and then it was just because Rav Huna said that even when when it was. Uh, um, that the Kiddushin was the Dasaviha, and the Nisuin was not, and the father was around and silent. Remember, that was the immediate previous case. Rav Huna said, we're afraid that he's objecting. His silence is objecting. So when the Kiddushin was definitely good, and then he was silent about the Nisuin, we're afraid he's objecting, and we say, Loach la, again. Here, when he wasn't even okay with the Kiddushin, or he wasn't around for the Kiddushin, of course... We should assume that he's got a problem with it and that the whole thing is no good. So the Gemara says, Nearing Divay Talmud. So, Ula, I mean, Ula Kinsim says, You know what, Rabbi Yimya, who is the Talmud of Rabbi Huna, that makes a lot more sense. How could Rabbi Huna say that if he didn't object to either, if he objected only to the, if he was silent, excuse me, to the latter, he was okay with the first and silent to the latter, that's an objection. But if he was silent to both, then he's okay with it. So the Gemara says, I'm a Rava. No, my time is Ravuna. What's the reason of Ravuna? Because basically, this girl has been acting like she has no father. Okay? Basically, what's been happening now? There are two events, major events in her life, Kiddushin and Isuin, that he hasn't reacted to. So in that case, the lack of reacting, the fact that she's acting in sort of in disregard to the fact that there's a father and the father isn't asserting his authority, that basically, yes, even in that case, we'll basically interpret it that he's basically made his peace and decided he's let her make her own decisions. He's okay with what she does. Okay? So when the first act, the Kiddushin, was done under his control and auspices, and he had never like done anything to indicate he was relinquishing his rights and control, and then the second act was not Lidas, in that case, we'll assume he's opposed, even if he's silent. But when he allows both things to happen and says nothing, then we'll assume he's basically like, you know, just the Miyai. So, whatever. She's a strong-minded, independent-minded, 11-year-old. Let her do whatever she wants. Okay? So, that's basically it. Now, of course, the interesting thing is, is that now at the end, right, we're back to this question of a girl that does Kiddushin, Shalom Das Av, does it actually become, how do we paskin? When, the, you know, does it actually become Kiddushin or not? Here, at least, this last opinion sounds like we would be concerned that it could become Kiddushin. All right? So, let's take Take a look now at the last case in the Gemara. Itmar. Back to that case, the one that was our focus yesterday. 
Amarav, now remember, you know, Rav and Shmuel both said that we're concerned. me. Rav and Shmuel both said that she was uh, possibly mikudeshes when it was shalola dasavia, and you know, required to get an amiyun. So now the same Rav that says she's possibly mikudeshes clarifies and says that by the way, that was only until you heard, you know, what we never what we never clarified there is well, what does the father say? Remember, we said she's possibly mikudeshes shemen itratze. But what did the father say? So now we're clarifying that. And he's saying, oh, if when the father finds out about it, he objects, okay, then there's no concern of Shemini Tratzav. Then clearly he's not okay with it, and it's no good. All right? Now, not only that, she can also object. Okay? Now, how can she object? She accepted a Kiddushin. And who cares about her objection? She's a minor. Okay, so Rashi says, it's only if she objects prior to the father finding out. Okay, so she accepted the money. Where the father's going to find out tomorrow, and if he objects tomorrow, it's no good. But if he, before the father finds out tomorrow, she objects, then that also makes it no good. Because then, before somehow it got validated by the father, you know, uh, she sort of cut it off, you know, before it, you know, before it could become, uh, you know, so somehow that undermines the acceptance of the money since she's no longer okay with it. Um, Tosu says that she could possibly even object even after the father says it's okay. And the presumption is, is that the father being approving of it is only pr- assuming that is that, that she's also okay with it. Of course, that's strange because she, if she, can, she was okay with it initially. And what is it? She has an indefinite amount of time to object. So this is a little vague on that point. But let's assume anyway that her objection either under... It, let's assume like Rashi makes it clear, Tosus is vague. Her objection occurs before the father says he's okay. And therefore it either negates her act of accepting the money or her father's acceptance is dependent on her still being okay with it. Okay? So anyway, but that's what we've now introduced. That there's actually a time... Until now we said we presume she's, you know, according to Rob, or we're concerned the father's okay. Now the father actually has a chance to respond. Okay, so, and if he says he objects, he's, it's no good. Now, of course, that then raises the question, so what were we talking about until now? If he says he's okay, he's vada okay with it. If he says he objects, it's no good. So what were we talking about until now? What was all this debate about until now? <coughs> so Tosos clarifies, and look at Tosos. Tosos says, Just like the sugya we had before. But until now, we've been talking about the fact of how to interpret his silence. Okay, so some of the shatak. Okay, but if he objected, that's different. So based on this, we now, just like the previous sugya, realize that the way Tosus understands, and a lot of Rishonim, that the whole discussion before about the Kitana that got married and whether it's good or not is only in the case that the father heard and initially was silent. And the question is, how to interpret that initial silence? But if he explicitly says he's okay, it's good. If he explicitly says it's not, he objects, it's not good. And not only that, she can object as well. So this is well, sort of, yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. But yes, but in a different way, because here there's a Khashash Kidushin Doraisa, at least according to Rav. For Avaz Yamar, Aviavalohi, only the father, which, you know, is the more normal thing to say. So now we're actually gonna turn this whole case, which we thought was a strange scenario, and we were wondering how often it would occur, he's going to actually turn it into a case in the Torah. Okay, what's the case in the Torah? Okay, this is about the case about the seducer, and the father refuses to go along with it, so he has to give her, you know, 50 kesef, which is 200 zuz. Okay? Now, only he has to give the father, the seducer. 
Did I say her? Yeah. Okay, the father. It's only, we only know the father can refuse. He asks me and how we know she can refuse? The double language. Now, why is that a question? Because he is presuming that the case in the Torah that he was seduced was not just he was seduced that she should sleep with this guy. But the guy seduced her to marry him. Mm. And that the sli- and them having sex together was an act of Kiddushay Bia. And now the case in the Torah is exactly the case we've been dealing with for the last two days. They slept together. Okay, instead of giving her a ring, they had sex. Okay, but basically it was a katana or a nara that had Kiddushin Shalolidasaviha. Okay, and now the father finds out and the Torah is telling us that the father can refuse. And not only that, she can refuse based on the Midrash that she can also refuse. So that's exactly our case, except it's a Nara, it's not a Kitana, whatever. But anyway, it was a Kiddushin, and when the father finds out, he can refuse, and the Midrash Allah tells us she can refuse as well. Okay, so don't you see from that that she can refuse? Look, don't look for problems. Don't go ahead and make, like, turn things around. I can answer you. Now, I could answer you as funny because I think we all probably presume that that was shot of the psukim. Okay? He was just interested in sex. He was seducing her not in the context of marriage. Okay? So the case in the Torah where the father or she is objecting is not to prevent the kiddushin from taking place. There was no kiddushin. Okay? So the Gemara says, so, um, so, so the Gemara says, Pita shalosum ishas krabai? But what do you need a pasuk for? If there was no act of kiddushin, of course, the father can object to his daughter marrying this guy. Since when shouldn't he be able to object to his daughter marrying this guy? Like the father's in control of who his daughter can marry. So why does the Torah have to tell you that? No. So the answer is, it's, it's it doesn't te- exactly. It's not telling you to tell you that she can't be forced to marry this guy against the will of the father. That is obvious. The question is, what is the consequence of them not getting married? The consequence is, you have to pay 50, 50 gesef. So, No, to tell you that he pays up the money. So, yes, the public is not talking about an act of fiducian, talking that they just had sex, and it's telling you if the father objects, which, of course, he's entitled to, to the marriage, then the guy has to pay a knas. If so, that explains what we taught. The language, right, means that now he has to, if, if the father doesn't object, the public says, now he has to marry her. Now, there's an interesting question, what Mahor Yim Harena means, because Mohar is normally understood as the uh, bridal price, right? Now, actually, some have suggested that the, that the, the, the Masoretic reading of that passage is Mahor Yim Harena Loli Isha, right, which is, which is using Mohar as a verb. He should mower her as a wife which, by the way, shows that the mohar is a, uh, is a bridal price, right? There's a whole question what mohar is, but especially if you read the puzzle that way, it sounds very much that it is the money that affects the kiddushin. However, some have suggested a non-Misoraitic reading of that puzzle would be maher yimharanaloli, that you'd quickly marry her. Okay, but even if that were true, it probably still is a play on the word of mohar. Anyway, the shot of the Psukim are telling you that it means, because you could, if you would have said the other way, that the seduction was Lushain Ishus, then maybe all the Pasuk is saying is that he has to write her a ksuva or something, you know? But anyway, we read Mahoyim Arena means marry her, which makes it clear that they haven't done an act of Kiddushin yet, okay? And which is what he says. You know what? You say that the seduction had not, was not about marriage. You're right. That tells you, um, so that, so that, yeah, that's a good read. 
So now the Gemara says... Is isn't Ihachi, isn't that a question? No, some, you look at those, particularly Rev Yosef sometimes says that as a way of saying, oh, now it makes sense, not as a question. Okay, now the Gemara says now, so now the Gemara says, okay, one minute, let's go back to the other read. The other read of the Pasuk is, is that the seduction was for the sake of marriage and the father was objecting to the Kiddushin. So if the father doesn't object to the Kiddushin, why is the Pasuk saying, so to tell you, you should do another Kiddushin now with the father's approval from the get-go, which is very strange, right? If you read the Pasuk that he seduced her with shame Ishus and the father didn't object, What's Mahoyi Marenalodisha saying? To do another Kiddushin? Why do another Kiddushin? Well, do, it official, right? do it official now. Now let's do it in the right way. There's something that's strange. Anyway, but there's another very interesting question here, which is what does, Tosus raises this question, what does her objection mean? Okay, so listen, to, we, we said the scenario is the seduction was not Lashain Ishas. The father can object and he pays 50 kesef. If they get married, then the guy doesn't pay the 50 kesef, right? He only pays the 50 kesef if, if the father objects, because that's instead of the fact that she won't be getting, you know, etc. So that's gonna, presumably going to be hard for her to get married. Okay? So now, one minute, though. Um, where's her objection? If she objects, she can prevent the marriage from taking place? Maybe. But does this, wouldn't that be bizarre? The father wants her to marry this guy, this guy wants her to marry, and all of a sudden this Kitana and Nara can object? Normally she has no say-so. All of a sudden, because she was seduced, she can now say she doesn't want to marry the guy, right? What's going on? So if you take a look at Tosfos, Tosfos says like this. Um, so he says, Krabai, um, um, one minute. <coughs> Okay, so you, in the, this has this crowd by about halfway down, the line starts with Knas. Okay, he says, Mashalim Knas Kemafuta, Pirish, Laolam Ayashapita Shalolashem Ishut, the Filach Yashminan Rebusa, the Himaat Leihi, when she objects, Shamashalim Knas, the Kemotalakas of Knas Kemafuta, Bimion Haaz, the same way when he objects, he pays, Kakhtlo Bimion Dida. Okay, the high Mion Dida, her objection, Vada Eno Moelin Shalotinasilo, doesn't prevent her from getting married. The given that Via wrote such a Teishto, any Yacholola cave, if the father wants to marry her off, since when can she say no? El Mahani Shemashalim Knas, Kilo Avnila Ain, but it gets her, it, it, it forces the guy to pay the Knas, okay? But then it goes to the father. But then, but if it's absurd, then she, then the father takes her aside and says, listen, honey, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to be okay with it, right. and then you're going to be my mom. So that way you both get married and you get the knas, right? So that's very bizarre that her her objection should have the power to make him pay the knas even though she's getting married. And then she's still surrendering. He's still surrendering too. Yeah. Anyway, it tells us the second answer is better. If the father died. Now, nah, that's when her refusal works. Okay, that's when her refusal works. But it is a strange point that never gets really explored. Once Chazal says she can refuse, refuse what? Refuse the marriage? Since when is she entitled to refuse the marriage if there's a father around and she's still a Ketan or a Nara? Okay? So Tosos has two answers. One is that the father isn't around and the other is a strange idea that even if she's getting married, he could still wind up paying the 50 cast out. All right. That was the end of that sugya about getting married, Ladasavia, Shalolodasavia, and so on. And now we turn to our Mishnah, back to a uh, case with that, not the case of the minor, which has all those interesting dynamics, but a normal case of an adult woman entering into Kiddushin. Yes? Didn't you say in, in the 
contemporary times the woman could have yet. What do you mean contemporary times? When, when did it change? So you said you know that she had no choice in the matter. Well, if she's a katana or a nara, so right? Did that ever change? No, there's a katana or a nara. If there's a father around, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I think what I might have said at one time is that in the psukim, the psukim don't even clearly limit it to her being. The psukim don't clearly identify an age when she's no longer under her father's control. Now, it could just be that the psukim are taken for granted that by the time she's in, that, you know, sometimes during the time she's in marriage, her father's going to get her married off. But the idea that there's an age called bogeret, where she leaves her father's control just because of her physical maturity and her age, is not clear in the psukim. Okay. Uh, Right, right, right. So when yeah. Rav said, "Bein he even via cholim the akev," so right, so the so she really so it just means is, is the main sentence right? It just means akev in terms of getting a knas. That's right. the re- first way to explain. The second way is better. Yeah. Okay, next mission. Now back to a normal dynamic with an adult woman about kiddushin. Haomer liisha iskachili, and we saw this quoted yesterday. Iskachili b'tamarazo, iskachili b'zo. Marry me with this date, with this date. Okay. So if one of them was with the pruta, she's married. If not, she's not. Even if all of them together are, because since she said, "Marry me with each date that he gave," marry me with this date, marry me with this date, whatever. Then each one is a separate act, and the dates don't combine to be a shavar pruta. Okay. If he said. <laughs> that was a good one. I was thinking about the date pun, but I hadn't, I hadn't gotten as far as you. Okay. <laughs> a cheap date. All right. Bizo, bizo, bizo. Now, if he said, marry me with this and this and this, okay, and he didn't say, marry me between each one, then as long as combined they're worth a pruta, she's married. Let's say he was eating each date as he put it in front of her. Okay. Then it doesn't work that they combined to have a Shavar Pruta. One by itself has to be a Shavar Pruta. Why exactly that's true is going to be the focus of the Gemara. But first we just deal with a line we said before. Mantana Hiskachi Hiskachi. Who is the Tana that says that until she says, he's, until he says Hiskachi, the statements are seen as one collective statement and the only way they're broken up into different acts is because he repeated the verb Hiskachi, you know, between each one. So Amar Rabba Reb Shimon Hida Amar Atiyom Ashvul Kolechad Vechad. We had this yesterday that if somebody says Ashvul I don't own you and Ashvul I don't know you and Ashvul I don't know you, there's a separate Ashvul, there's a separate Korbanot. If he's lying, but if he says Ashvul I don't know you or you or you or you, that's all one big Shvuah. So here too, that same Rebbe Shimon would say that if you say this date and this and this and this and this, it's one act of kiddushin. It only becomes a separate act when you say marry me between each one, marry me with this, marry me with this, etc. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. We had that yesterday. Now we get to this last line, which is, if he's eating it, then one of them has to have a Shavar Pruta. So the Gemara says, Ahai, which, which part of the Mishnah is that going on? The first one, where he breaks up the statements, or the last one, where he combines them? Okay, Ilema Aresha, he says, marry me with this, marry me with this. Mayur Yocheles. Why is it only a scenario when she's eating the dates that one of them has to have a Shavar Pruta by itself? Afilu Manechas Nami. Even if he does, he left them in front of her. He said, with each separate date, marry me with this. So one of them has to have a Shavar Pruta. It's, it's irrelevant that she's eating them. We already, okay, that's the f- first case. So presumably, Ella Sefer, presumably it's going on the last case. That's what it sounds like. So what does this mean? It means that he's saying, marry me with this, and she eats it, and this, and she eats it, and this, and this, and this. So it's saying, if one of them has a Pruta, it works. 
Okay, presumably you can't have the collective having a pruta because by the end of his statement, if he said and this and this and this and this and this, and he put five, by the end he meant all of them together, and by the end of the statement, right, uh, four of them have already been eaten. All right, so it's not enough that they combined have a pruta because the act of kiddushin is only over when he gives her the fifth one, and then the other ones aren't around. Okay, but then the Gemara says, but then why did it work when the first one had a pruta? Okay, the few so in that case it would work if the first date had a pruta. The milvahu he it's a loan. What does that mean? It's a loan. It means that the Gemara is going to have a discussion in a minute. If a man says to a woman, "Marry me with like whatever this ring or this twenty bucks," and he takes the money, and then for some reason it turns out that the kiddushin wasn't good. There was you know, um, and um, he made some mistake, and there was some condition it wasn't met, etc. Does she have to give the money back? Because this happens all the time, right? If a couple breaks up, is she supposed to give back, the, you know, the engagement ring? Does he have to give the does she have to give the kesef kiddushin back? So the presumption of the gemara is yes. So money given as kesef kiddushin that doesn't wind up being kesef kiddushin is a loan and would have to be given back. So here she is. She's eating these dates as he's putting them in front of her. If it turns out that this is not going to be a kiddushin, okay, then um, then she's going to have to give it back. So, right now that money, it doesn't exist, it's not in front of us, but it would be money, theoretically, that she would owe him. Okay, and then he says to me, and then, so then, then, we says, well, if that was a Shavar Pruta, in the first one, she's Mukudeshes. So the Gemara says, well, why? The first one isn't around anymore. If he just said, marry me with this, and he stopped his statement, and she ate it, of course she'd, and there was a Pruta, of course she'd be Mukudeshes. He gave her a Pruta, she was okay, end of story. But what the Gemara is saying is, the act isn't over until the end, until he gives her the fifth state. At that stage, okay, if she, the only thing that was worth a pruta was that first date. And he's saying, marry me with that first date, because by the marriage, sort of the, the end of the act comes, you know, ten seconds later, then that first date doesn't exist right now. It's only money that she'd have to give him back. So when he says, keep it, you know, just keep that money that you owe me and marry me with, and I'll marry you with that, then that's marrying her with something that's not concrete, that's not around in front of us. That's called Makadish Bemilza. And that doesn't work. Okay? So it's a little confusing why the Gemara exactly makes that comparison, but the basic point is, is that the act of Kiddushin, if it doesn't complete until he's done giving all five dates, and at that stage the other dates don't exist, then how does it work that they were with a pruta, who cares, right? At that stage they don't exist, and he's marrying her with something, with a debt. And therefore that shouldn't work. Okay, so hopefully this will get clarified as Gemara responds. So let's take a look. So I'm Rabbi Yochanan, Harei Shulchan, Harei Basar, Harei Sakin, Ve'in Lanu We've got the table and the meat and the knife and we can't eat, which is basically like everything seems so clear and we don't have any way of explaining this Mishnah. It seems like a very straightforward Mishnah, but you can't explain this last line, whether it's going on the beginning of the Mishnah, the end of the Mishnah. Either way, it doesn't make any sense. It's like water, water everywhere, not a drop to drink. Okay? <laughs> The source of the expression, the first date. That's what he's <laughs> Oh, you're not, we're not going to hear the end of it. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Okay, first date was a cheap date. Anyway, so, so oh my God. So, Rav and Shmuel, Amitavayu, so Rav and Shmuel both say, La'olam Arisha, it's going on the first case, where even where, where at any date by itself, like when he says, he's got to sleep as he's got to sleep as he's got to sleep as anyone has a proof that works. So what's the point of mentioning that she ate it? It would work even, you know, it, it, you know, obviously it worked. It worked as soon as he gave her the date. 
So the Gemara says, Lomi baya kamar goes without saying. Lomi baya manaches of course if she's leaving the date in front of her and there's a shava pruta of course and it works and if not it doesn't work I might think that if she's eating the dates since she immediately derives benefit from it maybe even if it was less than a pruta maybe she's basically saying for me this is worth a pruta the fact that she's showing that eagerness and eating it maybe you don't even need a pruta Kamash Malon that you do. Now, that's a very, like, weak chiddish, as Tosos points out, since when can she get to decide, oh, for me, this is worth a pruta, right? We had an earlier sugi in the Gemara that made it clear that it has to be an objective value of a pruta, but nevertheless, that's the chiddish. They, they basically neutralize the last line of the Mishnah, okay? Even if she's eating the dates, it still needs to be a pruta. Fine. Right, now we get to a more interesting answer. Rabbi Ami Amar Olam Asef. It's going on the safe, which is clearly pshat. Okay, umay atleteiba achas man shava pruta. What does it mean? As long as one of them is worth a pruta, it works, even if she's eating it. Okay, and that was remember a big collective. Okay, and atleteiba achrona shava pruta. It doesn't mean any one of the dates can be a pruta, although that's certainly what it sounds like. It means that the last date has to be worth a pruta. Okay, so here basically what's happening is let's understand. He's saying this, 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 and this. The act isn't done until the end. If by the time the act is done, the first four dates don't exist, then he can't marry her with those dates. They don't exist anymore. They're just an outstanding loan. So, but if the last date has a pruta, and none of those dates find them, right? But if the last date has a pruta, then when, that's when he's done with his statement. And this, period, then before she eats it, he's now given her something worth a pruta that she took, and therefore, in that case, that works, okay? So the sentence wasn't over until the end, and by that stage, the other stuff didn't exist anymore. He couldn't marry her with it, even if the collective was worth a pruta, or individually it was worth a pruta. But when he gives her the last one and finishes his sentence, then before she gets a chance to eat it, he accepts that last one, that works, that's the kiddushin. Amar Rava, Shmami Nami to Rebiyami plus. From this way that Rebiyami explains the Mishnah, we can infer three things. Shmami Nami Kadish B'mil Ve'enimakudeshes. Number one is, since he didn't challenge our question about this Mishnah, we see that the early dates don't work because that they're only alone by the time the sentence is over. So therefore, if you marry with a loan, it doesn't work, which is going to be a focus of oncoming of, of Gemara for a while. Let's say somebody says, I want to marry you with the $100 I owe, you owe me. You can keep that $100, and here's a penny. Okay, does that work? So we could say, well, maybe it doesn't work, because he said with both of them, and the milva part doesn't work, for the Kiddushin, so the penny won't work for the Kiddushin either, right? Or we could say, no, in that case, since the Milva part isn't rel- doesn't work, that gets bracketed out. And the fact that both he and she, presumably, here the Gemara says Da'ata, another Gemara actually says Da'ate, so in a way it has to be both he and she have to be basically focusing on the concrete proof in front of them, it does work. Right, so in this case, right, he gives her a date and a date and a date and a date, and she eats it. All of these dates become a milda, and then this one date is left as a pruta, right, and that's when he's done with his sentence, okay? Right? This was, he says, ubizo, period. That's when he's done with his sentence, right? He says, ubizo, ubizo, right? Ubizo, ubizo. This is when he's done with his sentence. At this stage, all of these are milva, and this is the proof in front of her. But he said, marry me with all of this, 
right? It said it was bizarre, 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 bizarre. So he's Makadish, the Milva, Uber Pruta. Okay, so we might, let's say it's not good, because maybe she only agreed to be married with everything combined. See, and it. therefore, and this isn't good for Kesef Kiddushin. Okay, so it tells you, if you try to marry with everything combined, if there is a Pruta in front of you, then we say that, is, even though you said all of it, no, everybody is focused on the Pruta, and that becomes the act of Kiddushin. What? Daita Pruta. Okay. What? Yeah, but 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 before she gets a chance to eat it, she put it in her hand so she was mukudeshes before she ate it. Because she said if there was only the first date, not this case, but the previous case, if there was one, the first date was worth a pudding, and, and this was ate, not. And she ate yeah, it, then, then it would be a milva, then it would not work. It was she was married, right? Or when he said nishkadishli bezo, nishkadishli bezo, when he was separate statements. Wasn't there one where the first date was with a pruta? If the first date was with, if the first thing was with a pruta, but this was not, it would not work because then the pruta would be a milva. Oh. Okay, but if, but, but if, but regardless of how much these were worth, if this one was worth a pruta, the last one, then it does work. Wait, wait, let me do the third one. Vishmamina, and the third thing we infer from this is most ba'amachosrin. The money normally. The fact that we're calling this a milva, this stuff, means that if the Kiddushin didn't go through, she'd have to pay it back. Okay? Because if we didn't call it a milva, because the very fact that we're calling it a milva, now Tosis asks, one minute, but all that was you ask the question, isn't it a milva? It's sort of like, you know, you're making an assumption and then you're reading your assumption back out of, you know, your conclusion. It says, what's the alternative? The alternative would be that even if the Kiddushin didn't go through, let's say this one last, last one didn't have a Pruta, the Kiddushin didn't go through, she'd be able to keep this, right? You can keep the engagement ring, it's okay? You can keep the money given for Kiddushin even if the Kiddushin doesn't go through. That would be most Matana, as opposed to most Milva. Would that change the Halacha of this case? Okay? So, would that change the Halacha? She's giving, she's eating, 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 so bzu, bzu, bzu. here he finishes his sentence. So now, the dates that she ate what are their status? Either their status is if this thing doesn't go through, I'll have to give it back, or whether it goes through or not, I get to keep it. How, would that matter in terms of how you understood whether this case would work? So Tosa says, yes, it would matter. If this stuff was a matana and not a milza, then front, either way, she basically is going to keep it. Right? Take, right. Whatever happens, whether it winds up being a kiddushan or not, she gets to keep it. So Tosa says, if she's going to get to keep it, okay, then Tosa says, in that case, we would be more prepared to say that even though the stuff isn't the end, it's all like, you know, it's, it's all Kesef Kiddushin. Yes, you right. can refrain the whole thing. You don't have to look at it as, well, this doesn't exist. That's money she owes. And that's Mikadej Femilza. No. Because in the case that she gets to keep it, either way, when you're giving it to her, whether, whether it's going to turn out to Kiddushin or not, she gets to keep it. So you gave her the first date. Whether it's going to turn out to be Kesef Kiddushin or not Kesef Kiddushin, she owns the state now. So she's just eating a date that she owns. You give her the next date. She's eating a date that she owns. Why should we reframe this now as saying that it can no longer be part of the Kiddushin? Either way, she gets to keep it. So therefore, what Tosu says is, is that in that case, okay, but then it still wouldn't explain the Mishnah. Because then the last one wouldn't have to be worth a pruta. If all of this was, if, if this all she got to keep, whether it wound up being Matan or whether it wound up being Kesef Kiddushin, then we would look at it all as one act, and we would say as long as combined they have a pruta, it would be enough. Okay? So the only way to explain the Mishnah that one of them has to be worth a pruta by itself 
is through this idea of Makadish Benilve. It's a little complicated, but basically, we define this as money that might have to go back to him, so it's a Milve, so it doesn't work, it's a separate conceptually from the Kiddushin. It doesn't, wouldn't matter, you know, whether one of them had a proof or not, since by the time the sentence was over, it was owed money, and therefore only the last one, it only worked if the last one has a proof. But if we say that the money gets, he gets to keep regardless, then it might be fine if all combined it has a pruta because then it's all seen as like one big act. It's not we don't separate the stuff you got in the beginning from from the stuff at the end. Yes. So whether this is a shock of the Mishnah or not, the Gemara's understanding that the point of this Mishnah legally is to explore the nature of Kedushin as a Kenyan and to draw out the concept of Kedushin the Milzah. Well, way. not it's clear. The Gemara understands. That's the not clear. Yeah, the yeah. Gemara, right now, that's the Gemara's agenda on this. On right. This Mishnah, right. That, that uh, for the Kenyan to be house, you have to own what's presented to her. Right. I mean, that's the question is that the money given as kesef kiddushin, it doesn't always factor it, normal types of. You know, sometimes it's more narrow, sometimes it's more broad than normal co- questions about giving money. Like we had a case we mentioned before by the katana, like throw the money in the yam, put the money on on, on a on a on a rock. You know, might work. You know, which obviously you know the kaddish b'milva doesn't work. So it has its own parameters. But yes, that's exactly what we're trying to figure out. What's the nature of the exchange that affects kiddushin? Okay, Itma. Now we're going to do something which is a little easier, because this clearly is getting exactly why this matters, if it's Milver and Matan, is a little confusing. But anyway, here we get to a case that's, you know, fun and a little bit more straightforward. Hamikari Shachoso. A man marries his sister. He goes to his sister and says, Okay, which obviously didn't work. So does she have to give the ring back? Okay, similar to our previous question. Okay, so Rav Amar Moshchosim. She has to give the ring back. No, the ring was a gift. Okay. <laughs> uh, he knew, obviously, it wasn't a good Kiddushin. So how do we interpret what happened? We'll interpret it as, you know, hold on to this ring for me. So say, hold on to this ring for me. Yeah, she won't want to do it. But this way will be, uh, I don't know, she'll think I'm marrying her or whatever. Or, you know, it's a way I get the ring into her hand, sort of like serving papers, and then she's winding up holding the ring for me. But Shmuel Savar, Mos Matana, it's a gift. So he obviously knew it wasn't going to, be, going to take effect. So he gave it to her as a gift. Say it's a gift. No, it's embarrassing. So she, or it'll be embarrassing for her. She don't want to, doesn't want to receive a gift. So it'll be better if we do it as pretend like we're getting married, and then she winds up sort of like you know keeping it. She doesn't have to give it back. That's like that joke I told. I think I've told you before. The guy goes to someone and says, "Hey, I'll sell you the Brooklyn Bridge." He says, "Really? How much? Just a million dollars? A million dollars? Great!" So he takes out his check. What he says, "You got a pen?" So the guy gives him a pen. He signs the check, hands him the check, walks away. So his friend says to him, "Says, I understand what you just did." He says, "You just bought a bridge. You don't." You you know, he didn't own with money you don't have. So the guy says, what? And this pen is nothing? So, <laughs> all right, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so she winds up. They did a whole little fake little act. Yeah, she winds up with a ring out of the end. That's the way we get what's up. Katifa, like Kesef. Anyway, fine. All right. Anyway, so, um, uh, so Mosi Ravina. So Ravina asked. Now, of course, you know, the question is, are we really trying to get what's in their das? Or are we asking a different question, which is, is that, you know, just legally, how do we define that case? Like, clearly, if something was given and there was an error, the money would go back. But when it wasn't an error, everybody knew it didn't work, and the money exchanged hands, 
we have to define how do we look at the nature of that transaction? Do we actually look like he actually gave the thing as a gift or not? Okay, the easier thing is to say it wasn't given as a gift, right? The easier thing is to say it was his object. What happened, how it was framed was not really what was happening. So then it didn't mean anything. Give it back. Okay, Shmuel is the bigger Kiddush, I think, that it was a gift. Now the rest of like this. Right. I don't know. They're fooling around. You know, they're like, I, what, what would you do? You want do? I mean, my point is that you would pres- I, if the thing wasn't real, you would presume status quo, right? You would presume rather than read a transaction into this act. That's my assumption. Like, so nothing legal happened. If nothing legal happened, then the the, the money didn't didn't you know the, you know didn't change ownership. That's the way I would assume. Anyway, let's take a look. Masiv Ravina. Ravina asked, If somebody separates challah while it's still dough, while it's still flour, it doesn't take effect. Challah is only when it's dough. Okay, ain't challah. It's not challah. The gezel kohen. And if the guy gave the, dough, the, the flour to the Kohen, the Kohen can't keep it. And if he were to keep it, he'd be stealing. So that's similar. Gave a Kohen something that wasn't challah. Presumably everybody knew it wasn't challah. And we say the Kohen has to give it back. He doesn't get to keep it. According to Shmuel, why is it, a, why is it theft? Everybody knows that you don't take challah while it's still flour. According to Shmuel, say it's a gift. Right? Same idea. If the transaction didn't mean anything, Shmuel would say, well, you'll make it into a gift. No. If we say it's a gift, then that'll lead to a disaster. People will assume, if the Kohen will assume, if he doesn't have to give it back, that means that it really is challah. And if it really is challah, then what? He'll have less than the full amount of flour that's five and challah. Okay, it's five reva halogs. You won't get into that. But he'll have just a little bit less than the full amount. The high. And then he, um, and then he takes the flour you gave him, which he thinks is challah, and he mixes it with the rest. Now the flour you gave him is not challah. So because, so the actual reality is, is that it's now obligated in challah, because he has a, a full amount of flour. But he'll think he's not obligated, because he'll think a little bit of this flour is already challah, so it doesn't create, make the rest obligated in challah. Okay, because sovereign, he can also, so he'll think that his flour does not need to have, is okay. So he'll eat it when it's tevah, because really the flour he added was not challah, and therefore now the whole flour, the, the, the whole dough is chayv and challah. So that's why we have to say give it back. So he doesn't confuse it and think that it's really chala. So the Gemara says one minute. Why would he confuse it? You said that everybody knows that you don't give chala when it's still flour. So so you're saying, oh, you got to give it back or he'll think it's really chala. Nobody will think it's chala. You said people know better. The says, no. Yeah, they know, but they don't 100% know. People know the basic rule. You don't give challah while it's still flour. But but doesn't understand the reason why. Why is it you don't give challah while it's still flour? Because you don't want to impose the burden on the calling to turn the flour into dough. But they think that maybe Bidiyevin, maybe it will work. They're not 100 sure about, 100% sure about the rules. They know you're not supposed to give it. But they don't know what will happen if you do give it. So if you then say the Kohen can keep it, right, then they'll think that it actually did work, Bidiyevin. Okay? The Kohen say, 
Okay, and the and the tear from the Kohen, the Kohen is Mochel. He's willing to accept it. So therefore, you have to say, give it back in this case, so that because people's knowledge is a fluid thing, and if you don't say, give it back, that'll make people draw wrong consequences about this. Okay. But normally, you can keep it. Uh, you know, if something was given in a way that was understood that didn't work. So now the Gemara says, that they have a truma, one minute. Why, though, does it work, you know, vis-a-vis, you know, why does it say that it's not challah? If you're concerned that, um, hold on, let me just double-check here, Rashi. Um, right. Why do you say he's got to give it back as a way to tell him that it is not challah, right? Now we're saying he really should be able to keep it. But if he keeps it, he'll think it's challah. So force him to give it back. The Gemara says, we've got a better way to get, tell him that it's not really challah. You're allowed to keep it, but you have to be mafrish on it a second time. This flower that this Israel gave you, you can keep it. It was a matana. But you know what? It's not really challah. And if you want to eat it, you've got to be mafrish challah on it. Okay? So that's what it says. So let it be like truma. But you can't eat from it until you're mafrish challah on it. What does that mean? We have a case just like this. Somebody takes truma from a plant that grew with a hole in it, a hole in the flower pot, on something that grew without a hole in the flower pot. So the stuff without the hole in the flower pot was not really biblically obligated in truma. So he took from some of his uh, tomatoes that were obligated in truma, and he said, this will be truma on all those hydroponic tomatoes, which weren't obligated. So the reality is that this, this is not truma. This tomato is in truma, and he's now going to give it to a Kohen. So what's the halacha we say about this? Truma, so the Kohen who gets it treats it as truma, on the one hand, we're machmir and we treat it as truma. But you can't eat it, because it's not really truma, and you can't eat it until your mouth is truma on it again. So sometimes we have these cases where something is mistakenly given, that we give it both statuses, it's truma and tevel. The Kohen keeps it, and he has to be mafrish again. So the Gemara says, so why by the flower did we not say the same thing? Fundamentally, according to Shmuel, our orientation should be, keep the, cha- keep the flower. Okay, your concern is that then they won't understand that the flower is, they'll think the flower really is challah and it isn't. Say, fine, it's challah and it's not challah. It's challah and you keep it and you have to be mafish again. So everybody understands that it's in this, you know, it's, that it's not black and white what this status is. means an additional quantity, right. a portion from the... Right, now Rashi points out that in case, there are cases you could take from the thing itself, but yes, but it just means yes, you add other grain and you take from the whole thing. So the Gemara says... So let's just read the answer. Gemara says, "Betrain money size, bechad manalod size." With two vessels, they'll listen. One vessel, they won't listen. What does that mean? It means at some level they understand that there's a difference between the hydroponic tomatoes and the normal tomatoes. So if you tell him you can keep it, but you have to be mafish again, they'll understand why I have to be mafish again. They'll understand the hydroponic tomatoes were a different story. But if you tell him you can keep the flour, which is one mana, one vessel. Okay, they won't understand. As long as I'm keeping the flour, what you're really telling me is that it is challah. So why do I have to be mafish again? So they more understand the problematics of the hydroponics case than they do by the flower case. So by the flower case, the only way what's not going to be, you know, you're not going to get confused and you're not going to think that it really is challah is if we demand that you return it. Okay, in the hydroponics case, we can let you keep it and you'll understand that there's still a problem. 
But in the flower case, if we don't want you to think that it's really okay, the only thing we can really say is return it. Otherwise, we're afraid that you will get confused. Okay? So, um, anyway, so we'll end here. We'll continue with this, with this issue tomorrow. Okay. How do you stop this? Uh, now you gotta, I gotta, you gotta unlock it in order to stop it.